Westbrook on the drive, falling away. Won't go. Rebound taken by Iguodala. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I hope everyone is doing well. It is Caleb here. I am by myself. And today we are going to talk a little NBA, get you guys set, get you guys right for the new next upcoming NBA season. Um, as I'm sure most of you guys know by now, the NBA has approved fully a plan with its players, with its players association, with everyone, um, confirmed to come back December 22nd. And so I wanted to briefly, for about 5-10 minutes, I feel like it makes the most sense to do this solo, um, brief you on the logistics of that, and then from there, get you prepped with uh, a little free agency talk. Free agent, free agent class this year is a little light, um, just in terms of talent. And two, because of the weird offseason, I think guys that potentially could have opted out and, and decided to join the free agent class this year are not doing that. Um, just financially, it probably makes more sense to wait till next year. Anyways, we're going to go through the free agent class. I know most, you know, most people are Warriors fans that listen to this, but we'll go through the class. Um, at every position top guys can't spend too much time but it'll be fun to skip through skim through it and, and just give you an idea of who is out there um, and then from there we'll, we'll touch on some fun trade situations because um, no we'll get there we'll get there in the logistics part of the episode but first things first a little housekeeping um, if you are listening to this on apple Podcasts, if you i really appreciate it if you could give it rate it five stars subscribe Spotify, I don't think you can rate anything, but you can definitely subscribe. And if you're listening to this on, on some other platform, I, I don't know what else really is out there. But um, if you could subscribe on there, rate it on there, I really do appreciate it. Um, if you aren't following me on Instagram, uh, that is at Hoops Drive. Or, sorry, at Malaga Drive Hoops. And if you're not following me on Twitter, that is at Hoops Drive um, and then Malaga Drive Hoops on YouTube actually got an exciting new video coming out. And for those that uh, play fantasy basketball, that's right around the corner too. We'll have plenty of videos on that as well. Um, and then starting a new show coming out once the season starts, a, a daily show on the NBA slate. I don't know how many of you that listen to this love to bet, but you guys know that I do. I will be making a separate podcast for it. So it won't go up on here, but a daily show um, that breaks down every single game um, and then gives obviously my favorite picks. We're going to make some money this year. I'm excited. Um, but we're that that's all the housekeeping stuff. That's all out of the way. Let's get into the logistics of this NBA season, what you guys can expect moving forward. So um, like I said earlier, the NBA will begin again. December 22nd, NBA is going to play 72 games this year. Um, training camps open December 1st with the season ending May 16th. Um, that way the finals finish no later than July 22nd. And the NBA this year um, is going to follow similarly to what the MLB did this year during their regular season, which was a lot of playing within the same markets, not a lot of traveling across country. Um, I believe teams in general are just reducing their travel by 25%. And then um, in terms of cross-country travel, so let's say like the Warriors coming 
going to travel to Chicago to play the Bulls or the Magic, that's going to be significantly reduced, especially at the start of the season as well. Um, the NBA draft is November 18th. Speaking of that, we'll have an NBA draft podcast coming out next week on Monday. Again, I will say I'm by no means a, a draft expert, right? I, I don't watch a ton of college basketball for whatever reason. I've just been more drawn to the NBA game because, one, the product's better. And I mean that just strictly in terms of the guys in the NBA are better at basketball than the guys in college. Um, and I like to just know what's going on. And so for me, with college, yes, there's only five power conferences, but, like, it's just too much. Like, I can't, I can't wrap my head around, like, all 120 whatever d1 teams and then on top of that a lot of the guys just leave after one year so it's like I, the team so did like i don't know anyways uh, i have done a ton of research i'm in the process of still doing a ton of research reading a lot um listening to a lot of podcasts so at very worst i can relay hopefully what the experts are saying in a concise succinct way um, but that'll be coming out with Sarge next week, so look out for that. But after the NBA draft, so November 18th is the NBA draft. I believe it's not locked in yet, but the moratorium will open up so people can teams can start trading. So for those of you that are like, why haven't the we're getting close to that draft night? Why haven't the Warriors moved number two? They can't. They literally can't make trades. Um, but they you can you can bet they've been uh, chatting it up. <laughs> seeing what's out there, making a lot of phone calls. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I mean, things get leaked pretty easily, but I would not be surprised at all if there have been some trades that are close to being agreed to or like are on a general path towards being, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if there's fireworks. Um, And then from there also free agency opens up. So, um, Running that back, November 18th, NBA draft. November 19th or 20th, they don't know for sure, but I, I would assume it's going to be one of those two days. Free agency opens up and trading opens up. And then from there, you just have a one-month sprint towards the NBA season, and boom, the NBA season's here. So once we get to November 18th on, I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful time to be an NBA fan. It's It's really always a beautiful time to be an NBA fan. I think it's the best run league in the world, but um, it's just heaven coming up soon. So we just got to get through these these chilly next couple of days, and we're there. Um, and so let's just let's just jump to it. And we're not going to even take a quick break. Um, let's just jump into free agency because we want to make this as quick and concise as possible. Point guards, right? So, um, I, like I said in general, the class as a whole is pretty weak, and point guards really. Just no different. If you need a starting point guard this year and you're headed into free agency, like, all right, we need to find ourselves a starting point guard, it's it's pretty slim pickings, right? Um, there's no there's no max guys. There's no, like, star tier guys. Um, and I So there's no tier one, I would say, if you want to group them into tiers. Tier two, which is, like, less than the max, but definitely starter level. Um, there's a couple guys and one of them might not even hit the market. So, uh, the guy that will hit the market is, is Fred Van Vliet. Um, and it basically he's the only one it's Fred Van Vliet and Mike Conley, but Mike Conley is a player option. Um, and I 
doubt he's going to uh, opt out of that player option considering that player option pays him $34.5 million. And that just I, – I don't see any scenario in which Mike Conley's like, all right, I can get paid $34.5 million this year and then go into a better market next year or let me opt out, opt out and try and sign a longer-term deal now. Like that just doesn't make sense. So for all intents and purposes, Fred Van Vliet is the one point guard starting point guard on the market. Um, and I am torn on him because on one hand, uh, you saw in Toronto firsthand how how valuable this guy can be. He's not the biggest guy, but he really competes in battles on the defensive end um, and, and is just a smart team defender, right? We talk about how in the NBA, um, it, this is not a one-on-one defender league. Like maybe at the very last play of the game, you need someone to lock up. But even then, a lot of times, like, if someone's really hot, it doesn't matter how good of a defender you are. These guys are so good at getting buckets. Generally, the best way is going to be, all right, get it out of his hands. Not, okay, let me go put my best defender. Um, anyways, that being said, I don't think it's significantly, significantly important that Fred Van Vliet is not an amazing one-on-one defender um, because he is a good team defender. He understands. I mean, Toronto is one of the toughest places to defend in terms of just having to know a million different systems, a million different looks. Um, and he was able to play, you know, that Nurse was comfortable playing in 30, 35 minutes in the biggest moments, 40, up to 40 minutes. Um, that being said, offensively, I think we saw in the playoffs to some limitations, right? He's better as a two, second or third option on offense, maybe maybe I'd say probably third option on offense, you know, he's just a little undersized. He's got great feel and a good handle and, you know, can get to his spot on the floor. But when you're that size and you're not freakishly athletic or freakishly quick, you know, you can be as good of a hooper and, and body control as you want. There's just some guys that are going to be able to make it tough for you to finish up the rim. And that's just a reality for Fred Van Lee. So he's not an elite shooter. He's not elite in terms of, quickness or, or speed so he really just relies on basketball smarts and feel for the game and body positioning um, and he's successful in that but um i i i would not personally want to shell out 20 plus mil for him to be my starting point guard if i didn't have another star that you know like I, he's a he's a piece that i like more to help in terms of depth but he's not a piece where i feel like he pushes you know pushes a team over the edge. Um, I think the biggest, the best suitors, I think the most likely teams to go after him are probably the Knicks and Detroit. Um, both have a ton of cap room and neither really have long-term solutions at point guard. Um, he's still only 26, so he can sign a three, four, four year deal. Um, and, and he's just a smart, well-respected player. So um, not a ton of upside, but you know what you're going to get. He's a solid, solid player. I think New York and Detroit make the most sense if he doesn't come back to Toronto. But I think Toronto is going to do their best to get him back, uh, especially with the Terrence Davis news. Um, if you guys don't know, he was a uh, – kind of was looking like the next Fred Van Vliet. He went undrafted um, and just balled out off the bench for them this year. Fortunately, got charged with like seven counts of assault. Very unlikely that he's back with Toronto. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he doesn't even play again in the league because that seven accounts of assault. I think he was confirmed. Uh, anyways, I think the the three most likely places are back in Toronto, 
New York Knicks, or the Pistons. Uh, we're going to skip on Mike Conley. I think he, he's it's fair to group him in that tier, um, but I, I just don't think he'll decline that player option, unless he really, really hates Utah, which he might, but 34 and a half mil. I'd stick it out for here. Okay, moving down, we got, um, I think the next best available guy is Goran Dragic. He showed, I mean, wow. I, I thought he was done. He's 34, and I don't blame him, right? 34, you're playing in the Miami Heat system, which asks a lot of you physically. Um, it would have been very easy for him to be like, all right, let me let me sort of play almost like a Udonis Haslam role where I'm playing 10, 15 minutes. I guess Haslam didn't even play that anymore. But 10 to 15 minutes a game, more so a player coach. Man, he came back into the bubble and it looked like I it looked like he was 24. He looked like he was hooping like he was Luka Doncic's <laughs> uh uncle. And it, it was lefty uncle and it was it was ridiculous. So uh, all of a sudden with that performance he's squarely on the squarely back on the market as a guy that I think Teams are willing to pay money in a one- to two-year deal if you're a contender. Yes, he's 34, but if he's at 34 and he was hooping like he did last year, he's got plenty of plenty of time left. Um, again, the, the planter, you, you see guys that age are definitely more injury-prone, as you saw. Um, but I think there's a lot of teams that if you want to play him, you know, and, and you take it a little bit easier during the regular season, but play him in a 15 to 20 minute per game role as a guy who really is just a smart basketball player, can help young point guards, and then give you a little bit more pop in the playoffs. I think that's definitely something that can be valuable. Um, so I think I think ultimately he ends up in Miami, but let's just for for sake of being a little bit more fun, let's say he is not coming back. Um, then I think the Bucks. Sixers, Mavericks. Um, I mean, even I, I would love him on the Warriors. We haven't had a backup point guard that I've felt comfortable with in a while. Um, all present good, solid options. I, I think the Bucks or Dallas would be crazy. Because, I mean, I already told you about the Luka Doncic uh, lefty uncle comparison. I think that would be awesome. And then I think Milwaukee, they really do need a, a – Gar, I mean, George Hill can shoot, but I think Goron is perfect for the way the, the Milwaukee Bucks want to play basketball, too. So I can't see – he'll probably get uh, probably a little – around 10 or so mil for a year or two. Um, still with him, though, I, I imagine him back in Miami. Then we're, we're getting towards the end of the list, so we don't have to spend too much time. But Shabazz Napier is a point guard. He's shown um, he can be a quality backup guard with some pop off the bench offensively. Again, he's undersized, so he's going to give a little bit back on defense. But if you're playing him 15 to 20 minutes, he can definitely provide you some value um, because he, he can put the ball in the basket. He can put the ball in the basket. He can create for others. Um, but he's just he's just a little too small and uh, will never really be someone that can start. Um, Trey Burke, similarly. Um, Weird that Philly cut him, right? It, it didn't really make any sense that Philly cut him. He goes to Dallas and, and balls a little bit. You just saw him finally, you know, kind of, it takes certain guys a little bit of time to adjust to the NBA game. And, um, you know, maybe the, I don't know what it is, but he finally and Dallas just seemed like he was playing basketball. He was hooping, playing to win, wasn't just isoing every time. And he can put the ball – He he – Honestly, reminds me a little bit of Shabazz Napier, undersized guy, guard who can put the ball in the basket, 
Um, and does it, I, I mean, you can't even call him a point guard or shooting guard. Like he's a point guard in terms of size, but he just puts the ball in the basket from the guard position. Um, is going to be a major liability on defense, but it's just instant offense, instant offense off the, off the bench. Um, then you got Reggie Jackson. I've hated Reggie Jackson for a long time. He's actually okay. Um, on the Clippers, he's, he's a bigger body. So, um, you know, he's not great on defense, but he's at least a bigger body than Shabazz. Um, Shot it okay from three. Yeah, you you guys didn't tune into this podcast to listen to me talk about Reggie Jackson. But let me just run through the rest of the guys. I'm not going to even say anything uh, in terms of who they are. I'm just going to literally list their names so you guys are aware of every single player. Jordan McLaughlin, had a solid year in Minnesota. DJ Augustine, veteran legend. Javon Carter, Shane Larkin. Shout out Shane Larkin. Chris Chioza, JJ Barea. These are some legends. Yogi Ferrell, Brad Wanamaker, Raul. Aul Neto, Delavadova, Rondo, Teague, Mason, Walton, Jalen Adams, Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah, we're we're down the bottom of the list. Okay, let's let us move to uh, shooting guards. Shooting guards. So again, no tier one max guys. There just isn't. Uh, we'll move down to tier two guys that are starter level, um, but definitely not max guys. And there's some there's some guys in this level that are. You could argue some of them aren't starters, but there's definitely some help at this position. And I want to start out with a guy that I think a lot of people, a lot of casual basketball fans probably don't know about. People that watch a lot of NBA do. Um, But someone who had a really good year, the the Phoenix Suns just kind of gave up on him. Um, And then DeAnthony Melton headed to Memphis. And he just had a really, really great year this year. He's a high-energy uh, I, I think when he came in the league, he was a shoot, uh, point guard, but exclusively played the two last year with Jaw at the one. Um, and in, in DeAnthony's case, because I think he was a second rounder, he's hitting free agency pretty damn early. Um, he's only 22. So whoever is going to pay him is going to get a, a relatively young guy. I think he's restricted. So whatever someone pays him, uh, Memphis has the ability to match. Um, but he came in shooting only 29% from three. Um, and then last year just filled it up from three. He shot it a lot better. Um, he's a good rebounder for his size. He, he has a 9.9% uh, rebound rate, which is definitely above average for – it's above average for a small forward, let alone a guard. Um, he had three steals per 100 possessions. Um, and, and, again, he also has the playmaker, playmaker skills – but also can play off ball and, and, sh- and stroke it a little bit. So um, I'm not sure what sort of money he's going to get. Again, this is a little bit of a weird market. But this is a guy I really like, a guy I think can help a lot of teams, um, and a guy that I think ultimately the Grizzlies end up matching. Um, but DeAnthony Melton, baller. That's another guy, sleeper. If he ha- heads somewhere else other than Memphis, that's a sleeper for fantasy Yes, like a deep sleeper, but a sleeper nonetheless. Okay, uh, moving on to, uh, I think, probably the most well-known name, probably the funnest guy on this list, and that's Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, he is also, like DeAnthony Melton, a restricted free agent. Um, and Bogdan, I, I would like the, – the Kings are in a little bit of a weird spot because they just cashed out Buddy Heald, who is their two guard, and then now they have this guy Bogdan at the two who fits a lot better with De'Aaron Fox. Um, and I think we can say that with confidence after the last two years. They were just a lot better with 
Fox and Bogdan on the court, then Buddy and, and Fox on the court. To the point where they literally, the guy, Buddy Hill, who they cashed out, they started to bring him off the bench. That's when you know it. I mean, it's just obvious that one uh, guy plays better with with De'Aaron than the other. Um, but Bogdan could be I, – I could see Bogdan getting a lot of money. I don't think the Kings want to lose him for nothing, so maybe worst case they sign him and, and trade him. Um, but I, I love Bogdan. I think he'd be a great fit in Milwaukee. I think he'd be a great fit in Dallas. Again, another guy who can handle the ball at the two-guard position and not just handle it, but but he's a good passer. He's not a great passer, but he has a good passing ability and he has good awareness, court awareness, knows where guys are, um, and, he, and he can fill it up. And you, know, you just watch. He had that 35-point game against the Pelicans. He can absolutely fill it up. Um, okay. Moving down, Evan Fournier, he has a player option. Uh, again, I doubt he opts out. These guys are – are th- again, these player options were built in when the market was a lot better pre-COVID. So he'd have to opt out of 17.15 million. Um, I doubt he does that. I, I think he's probably not going to get that level of money if he opts out. So um, scratch him. Same sort of thing with Tim Hardaway. He's uh, has a player option, and I I just don't think he he uh, opts out. Um, Trish Dunn, another restricted free agent, another guy like the Anthony Melton that kind of went under the radar this year. I don't think many people quite realized how Chris Dunn, how good he was, especially on defense. So offensively, I still remember him coming out of Providence. I was super high on him because he had, you know, two-way guy. He scored and seemed like he had really good feel over at Providence. But then he just got to the league and he just offensively he was not just bad. Like it, it, you, you were just missing too much at that position to really start him as your starting guard. Like good passer, but it's just not enough of a threat to shoot. And and when you have that defensive that weakness defenses just can play you a certain way that made it tough. That being said, he flashed like he didn't start this year, but he flashed like first team all defense level defense this year. Like the the, the Chicago Bulls were significantly a million times better uh, on defense when he was on the floor. Like if he was a starter and played that level of minutes and had that level of impact, he could have been a first team all defensive guy. Um, and, that, and that's a, a valuable skill set, right? So he he he's able to get steals. He's able to lock up. He's able to play a, off ball as a great team defender. Um, but he gives a lot back on offense. So we'll see what he gets. He's like a – I don't know. He's not a Lou Dort. But, like, at the point guard position, he's, like, as much of a Lou Dort as you can get. Um, I'm not sure – I'm not sure what – you know what does that what does a monster defensive point guard garner in this market? Probably a little, maybe what like ten mil, nine mil, maybe a little over ten mil. Maybe someone really, really, really values that gives them fourteen. Because um, I don't think the Bulls match that. I don't think they do. Um, but again, this is a guy who literally had the highest steal rate in half a decade um, last year. He's just a monster, um, and I, I wonder if a team sees that and is like, all right. Let's see. Let's see. Um, okay, moving on. We got Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Jordy. I love Jordy. I, I, I think he's uh, 
perfect instant energy guy off the bench. I don't think you can ever really trust him as a, a starting two guard, maybe in the right situation. Um, but you got Jordan Clarkson, who I think can get 12 to 14 mil. Uh, the, finally started to shoot the ball consistently. And I think that just happened happens to be, you know, a, a confidence thing. I think a lot of these guys are capable, um, but they have to be in the situation where the coach brings that out of them, where the system brings it out of them, where they're not thinking anymore. They're just hooping. And you finally saw that this year. Um, Jordan Clarkson, let's see. What did he – he shot this year. He shot 54% on twos, which is – incredible for Jordan Clarkson and pretty damn good for a guard, right? Um, I don't think, you know, moving forward that 50, 54% on twos is something where is where he'll be. Um, but at the end of the day, you're getting a guy who can score at all three levels. Um, maybe not like the most efficient at all three levels, but he can finish. He can hit the mid ranger and he can hit the three. Um, there are plenty of teams that, you know, can use that instant offense off the, off the bench, be that third guard. Um, like literally 10 to 15 teams. So I'm not even going to go through him because he could be a fit on any team that needs bench scoring at the guard position. But I think that's a fun name. Um, and I hope he gets a, a somewhat big deal and, and cashes out. Um, okay. Then we got Shaquille Harrison. I, 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 there's some advanced stat guys that love Shaquille Harrison. I'm not super sold on him, but like he's, he's similar to Dunn in that he's a great defender and he's like good in transition, but offensively in the half court, like he's just meh. Like he's he's not good offensively, um, and and not just not good, but when you're when you have a guy at the guard position in the half court who can't really shoot and is not really a threat, it, it makes it a lot harder on the four other guys to get open looks. Um, okay, then we got we'll, we'll go down the line, and, and we don't really need to talk in depth about any of these guys. Um, but we got Michael Carter Williams, we got Alec Burks, we got Malik Beasley. Um, and these, these guys are good, but um, probably won't garner as much as some of these these other guys. Um, Malik Beasley, especially too, just because um, got into some legal trouble. We still don't know the extent on what happened to him. You know, the recent felony charge. I, I think he's going to be okay. I, unlike Terrence Davis, I don't think he's been charged. Maybe he has, but he hasn't been proven of anything yet. Um, but anyways, Malik Beasley, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Langston Galloway, Garrison Matthews, Wes Matthews, um, Pat Connaughton, John Conchar, Denzel Valentine, Etwan Moore, Avery Bradley, Austin Rivers. Yeah, we're getting pretty slim. Garrett Temple, Britton Forbes. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then move on to the forwards and centers and then go through some fun trade scenarios and call it a day. All right, let's move to the small forward position. And now we do have our first max guy, and that is Brandon Ingram. Uh, I, I think there might be some people out there that don't feel like he's quite a max player yet. I definitely do. Um, I think he will get a max offer from New Orleans almost right away. Um, and if not, they will match whatever max offer he gets. Um, I think he showed that this year. He, he was an all-star, um, and he just took huge strides in his ability to shoot the ball, and that just opened up everything else. But um, he, he shot up. He shot like 88% from the free throw line, shot great from three, and he did not do that before. And once you can do that, 
it just opens up so much space because guys now have to defend multiple different things. And when they have to defend multiple different things, they can't shut everything off and you have more access. And it's just six, six, ten with seven foot wingspan uh, forwards just don't grow on trees. And, and then now you take that guy who has those physical traits and now he can put the ball in the basket the way Brandon Ingram can while also having good feel as a passer. Um, yes, he does have to improve on the defensive end, but, I mean, the guy is a monster, and the Pelicans have to be stoked um, with him and Zion and Lonzo Ball. So, yes, he will get a max deal. Um, I'm pretty – I'm 99% sure he's he's back with the Pelicans. I, I just don't really see any other way. Like, there's nothing really else to talk about there. Um, okay, then we got Gordon Hayward. There's been some buzz that he is – I don't know why. Again, he has a player option for 34.2 mil. Like, I, I don't know why there's been some buzz that he's going to opt out and sign a longer-term deal at a smaller number just to help the Celtics out. Like, it, I, I don't see that. But he's 31. Like, he's never going to get a $34 million a year deal like in any lifetime again, like that just $34 million. He's going to get that money. So let's, let's not waste too much time. Um, he'll be back in Boston making 34.2 million next year with the, with the Celtics. Um, and then you got uh, DeMar DeRozan who's in the same boat, uh, has a player option for 27.7 mil. No way he declines that. Let's get to the mid-level guys. My favorite mid-level guy is Joseph Harris. Um, He's a career 42.6% three-point shooter. Like, that is ridiculous. And it's not just, like, he stands out in the corner, right? Like, he, he obviously does do that. He's a he's a shooter. But he can sh- he can stroke it a little bit off the dribble. He, he I've seen him enough, you know, even to the point where he catches it. They're flying at him. He pumps, lets him fly by, takes a dribble to the left, cash. Or he can dribble it off a screen. Not necessarily like Steph Curry, but like there's some handle there too. And and on top of that too, he's figured out that, okay, my shooting ability opens up the driving lanes. And he's actually a very good finisher for his his size and athleticism. You know, he's he's not like this unreal um, finisher, but he shot 54% on twos inside the arc, right? So um, that's pretty solid. So he's a smarter, smart enough team defender. Um, he's six, six. He's a, a good teammate. I, I would love him. I think, I think every single team in the league could use a guy like Joe Harris. Um, I think the Nets are going to prioritize getting him back and it sounds like he wants to be back there, but if a team cashes out Joe Harris, which a team might, um, it might force the Nets to not be able to resign him. And I, um, I, I'm ho- I honestly, I just hope Joe Harris gets paid because he deserves it. I love the man. Um, and he's really, really carved out a, a really solid career for himself. Um, okay, let's move now to Marcus Morris. Um, probably going to get it again anywhere from 10 to 12 million. Uh, I, I'm torn on him, man. Like, on one hand, he shot the ball really, really well from three um, and is a big body on defense, you know, and, and he's just perfect for the – for the modern NBA right now with guys, you just want guys who can shoot the three, defend multiple positions and are mobile. And and Morris can do that. He can play the three, he can play the four, and he can even play the five in, in some certain situations. Um, that being said, he is 31. He can't, I don't, I don't, 
I don't think it's fair to just call him a ball stopper right now, but he has been that in his career. Um, but ultimately, I think this season was a net positive from him, um, and not just because of the next shooting, because, I mean, that was kind of the perfect situation for him to just produce. I did like what I saw from him in um, the Clippers. Overall, compared to what I thought I was going to get, Like he, he was much better than Boston Celtics' Marcus Morris, which was a similar situation in which like a lot of mouths to feed on offense. Um, and he just seemed a little bit more team-oriented and, and win, winning-oriented when he was with the Clippers, although obviously that didn't quite work out. But um, I doubt he's back on the Clips. Um, and I wonder, okay, I'm, is he, when he's 31, is he going to, you know, prioritize getting paid or is he going to prioritize, um, winning? And, and that's something we'll see. Um, okay. Moving on. Jay Crowder. I love Jay Crowder. I love Jay Crowder. I would definitely rather have him than Marcus Morris, but I think they're about the same in terms of what they'll get, um, you know, about paid in terms of money. Um, and I think he's he's that perfect again for the for the modern game. You saw it in Miami. Uh, can play three, can play four. I mean, that took up the toughest defensive assignments, even with Bam there, right? He took on AD to start. He took on Giannis. Can shoot the three well. Obviously, he shot a lot better in Miami. He shot forty four and a half percent and twenty nine percent in in Memphis. Um, and he's 34% in his career. So he's probably not going to shoot 44% from three again. Um, but he is, I think you could probably expect better than his career 34% um, as well. He did just turn 30. So you're not probably don't want to sign him to longer than a two, three year deal. Um, but I think he's one of the guys I prioritize in terms of just, if you're trying to win and you need some toughness, you need some, um, defense on the wing who can also shoot play some four I think Crowder is uh, just a very very safe bet and a winner and a guy that I would look to invest in if I'm like a, a fringe playoff team or even a playoff team that's trying to make a, another jump um, we got Justin Holiday. he was low-key very good in Indiana hit 40 40 and a half percent from three played solid defense he's just long um I mean, in, in Indiana, they are going to prioritize defense, and he really, um, he really did do that. So Justin Holiday, he can spot up, can't really create for himself, but you've got a guy that can play defense super long and can hit the three, and he does these one like one dribble threes, but he can't, after one dribble, it's pretty limited. So um, if you need a three and D guy, you can definitely do worse than Justin Holiday. Um, then you got Josh Jackson, who is a restricted free agent. Now he gets a ton. So the Grizzlies are probably going to, um, be able to keep him, but I was actually really high on him out of college. I remember, right. He, I just saw a guy who was explosive athletically with a handle, a little bit of a weird shot mechanics, but a guy who I felt like, okay, with enough practice, he'll, you know, he'll be solid from three, um, never really, Never really came again, came around. Suns give up on him. Had a solid year in Memphis, right? He was a good piece for them off the bench. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone throws a little bit of money at him. But um, there you're paying more for upside than um, actual production at this point. And you got Kent Bazemore. I'm kind of off on Kent Bazemore. I know he uh, – Warriors legend. Started his career here. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just out on him. I, I don't – think he's a consistent enough shooter from three um 
he's shooting 35% from three now, but I, even now I just feel like it's never really going to go in. I don't think he's a great – I think he has this reputation as a good defensive player, and he's not bad, but, like, now he's, you know, now he's 30, 31, and I, I just – I don't want to pay Kent Bay as more money. Um, you got Mo Harkless, Rodney Hood, who I hope, you know, gets back right. But, yeah, now we're getting towards the bottom of the barrel. James Ennis, Gerald Green, Glenn Robinson the third, Stanley Johnson, um, Tory Craig. Yeah, I think it's time to move to power forwards. All right, got another max player, and I think you guys know who it is. It is Anthony Davis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's worth the max. Um, player option, um, I think – I believe the player option is 32.7 mil. So I, 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 this is one of the few guys where it probably makes the most sense for him to opt out and sign a long-term deal because he's going to get more than 30. I think the Lakers could pay him up to 40 mil per year. I don't know the exact thing. I wish I was more of a little bit um, informed with the cap stuff, but a lot of it is, is pretty confusing. So I think what happens here is he declines his player option, signs a long-term deal with the Lakers, um, but it is worth noting. I mean, he hasn't I, – I just don't see any scenario in which he leaves L.A. He just won a title there. Seems like the perfect situation. Seems like, you know, LeBron can sort of pass the crown off to him. Seemed like he really was receptive and open to Braun and, and learning a lot from him. So uh, I imagine he stays in L.A., signs a long-term deal, declines the player option. Uh, moving down the line, one of my favorite guys in the league who I feel like is still to this point very underrated is Danilo Gallinari. He is probably, in my opinion, the most interesting free agent. Um, and I think wherever he goes is really going to be interesting. Um, but I, I think I still have him as a top five power forward right now. I mean, you have Davis, you have Pascal, you have Giannis, uh, you have Zion. And I think at worst you go him. I think it's him or Tobias. And I, I definitely am going Gallinari. But um, 30 years old, does have an injury history. Um, and, and you just never know. Some guys fall off a cliff uh, quicker than others. But I, I think Gallo is one of those guys where um, he's so skilled and his basketball mind is, is very – he's very, very smart as a basketball player that he can keep himself as a um, – as an impactful player for longer than some guys can because he really just understands his role. Um now, this is one of the few guys where I think it is interesting to think about, you know, what are some of the options? Because it doesn't seem like the Thunder are going to bring him back because they'd have to pay him a decent amount of money, and they are headed towards more of a rebuild mode, right? They, they let go of Billy Donovan. It sounds like Chris Paul will probably on his, be on his way out. Um, and so they're, they're ready for the rebuild. So you have Miami, who is uh, – they almost got him in, at the trade deadline, right? But I think Miami kind of holds out because they want to make a run at Giannis, and so locking up Gallo is going to make that tougher. You have the Knicks who have enough cap room. You have the, the Hornets who have a lot of cap room. Detroit has a lot of cap room. And the Hawks. But I don't really understand why any of those teams at this point, uh, you know, where they are as a franchise, maybe Atlanta, but I don't really see any of those teams shelling out money for a 30-year-old Gallo. Um, but I think the Suns make a lot of sense. If they let go of Sarge, um, I think 
the Suns would, and I think the Suns, you you know, they're in a spot where like, especially after the uh, the run they went on in the bubble, it's like okay, Book took another step, Evaton takes another step, Cam Johnson, McCall Bridges, Kelly Oubre comes back. We could be really good, and and you add a guy like Gallo, who provides shooting from the four. I mean, they were playing Cam Johnson at the four sometimes because that's. They wanted shooting, but they didn't have really anyone that could do. They were playing Frank Kaminsky. Can you imagine how how much better is Danilo Gallinari than Frank Kaminsky? Um, I think he he could be very very good. I would love him on the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors have that type of money to pay him what Gallo would want. But I I think this is the most interesting um, free agent for me is finding out okay where is Gallinari going to go? If he goes to a team like the Suns, it's just going to make the West that much more. Um, of a gauntlet out there because I again this is the first year I feel like where every single team in the West is trying to make the playoffs. There's no team that is tanking. There's no team that you know right off the bat. Oh, they are not going to be good. Like the, every team can make the playoffs. Okay, let's move on. We got Davis Bertrand's um, monster this year in Washington. I think I would not be surprised at all if he gets. I was thinking about it. He might get close to twenty mil. Like. I don't I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Like this is a guy that the Wizards turned down two first rounders for. Like he fits exactly what this league wants. He's a seven almost seven footer hitting 42% of his threes, taking an absurd he took 14 threes per 100 possessions. Only James Harden and Buddy Heald took more threes per 100 possessions than Davis Bertans. And he shot 42.5% and was fouled on a lot of them too. Is a sniper man. He he's he's six foot, like ten, and he shoots it above his head, so you can't block it. It's off the dribble. It's spot up. Like this is a guy. I I have no idea why the Spurs let him go, but um, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Wizards um try and resign him. Because they, they, I mean, they didn't trade him, so that would point to them being willing to pay him really whatever he's looking for. But if a team comes out outright and just pays him a crazy number, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But um, Davis is another guy that I think is very interesting. Paul Millsap's also a free agent. Um, he really looks to be, I'm not going to say he's fallen off a cliff, but um, definitely transitioning towards the end of his career. Um, and he's... Uh, yeah, I, I struggle with Paul because on one hand, he's still a winner. You see him, he's a good defender, um, and he's just smart. And, and you saw the, the Nuggets were better a lot a lot better on defense with him on the floor. Um, and he covered up a lot of Jokic's, actually, um, weaknesses. But at the same time, yeah, he, he's just getting older and older. And so I, I don't know that the – he comes back with the Nuggets because they're going to prioritize Jeremy Grant. They all already have Michael Porter Jr. They don't want to take minutes away from him. Um, but he definitely still is a, a player at this level despite the age. So um, I wonder if uh, this is another sneaky team, uh, I mean, sneaky free agent that I think I would love the Warriors to look at um, because I think he fits what the Warriors do in terms of being able to space the floor, play defense, understand his role. Just a good, solid veteran um, that I would love the Warriors to look into. You got Derek Jones Jr. Um, he is another guy that I love that he 
he turned his game around. He used to just be a dunker. It was like, all right, this guy comes in in garbage time and just throw oops to him. Um, but now he can shoot. He's got a little bit of a handle too. Um, so I, I would not be surprised at all if he someone pays him money to be a starter or a, a high usage bench guy. I don't think he'll be back in Miami because they just don't have that money to pay him. But um, I, I <laughs> he's a he, he's a career twenty eight percent from three shooter, and he shot thirty seven percent this year, and he's a good finisher. 67% from twos. A lot of them are dunks, obviously. Um, but he's long, too, can play defense. I, I wonder. I, I wonder if the, the Heat almost... Uh, not we're hiding him this year to like make sure his value didn't get too high, but um, he passes a, the eye test. And, and in terms of you know the stats and percentages and, and just his body as a player, his, his skill set, could be very valuable. Um, okay, Jabari Parker, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Dario Sarge, I actually like a decent amount. If you can get him cheap, I would love that, although he is restricted, so the Suns can match anyone. But if the Suns go out and get Gallo, they're not going to match Dario Sarge. So um, I, I really like Dario Sarge. I obviously really like Jeremy Grant. Um, he should get a, a decent amount of money too. Moncho Hernan Gomez. Um Chris Boucher, Kenrick Williams. Okay, let's let's go to center and then we'll finish it out with um, with some fun trade scenarios. First guy I want to talk about Hassan Whiteside, and I talked about this on a pod uh, with Sarge. I, I really don't think Hassan's going to get that much. I, I I wonder, I wonder he might get ten to twelve mil, but I really don't. I would never pay him that. Right? He's a he's a starting caliber center. Just on talent alone, right? He's a tree. He's a seven foot one tree who is built and ripped with muscle. On the other hand, he's 31 now. He defensively, if he's in the right spot, like I said, is a tree and he's solid, but he's not in the right spot very often. He he doesn't seem to have to to be very interested in defensive game plans. He seems to be more interested in stats. Um, and I think the front offenses have somewhat caught on to that. And I think you see if Miami lets you go, and that that is the most win-at-all-cost culture that you can have. If Miami's letting you go, you're probably not – I'm not going to call you a not a winner, but winning is probably not your number one priority. And Miami's not for everyone, but to let someone as talented as Hassan go – I think sort of gives you an idea of uh, where his his priorities are. That being said, I can see a team cashing him out just because of his ability to block shots and and rebound the ball when he's there. He's huge. He's not a good passer. He's not a good shooter. But he is a starter in the right situation. And I wonder how much that uh, is worth. I, I could see Charlotte or Detroit paying him. We'll see. I think think I'd set the over-under on 12.5 million in terms of what he'll get, but I would definitely not pay him that. Um, okay, next next guy, Christian Wood. What what a year he had. And and this was a guy I have had in my, my fantasy team in terms of I, I'm in a 30-team league that emulates being a GM, and I had him. And this is a guy who's been a permanent stud for so long. Like every time he plays, he puts up numbers. And again, we all know, 
that doesn't really matter in the NBA. You can put up numbers and not be a, a winning player. And that's what Wood has been for the majority of his career. He'll get a ton of rebounds. He'll, you know, he'll put up points, but he's not a winner. And he finally sort of started to gain Dwayne Casey's trust was, you know, he, he's, I, I'm very interested to see what, what his career looks like, because this is a guy who can shoot the three, can shoot the mid range, is mobile, is long, can protect the rim, a good rebounder, can run, rim run very well, can play the four and the five. Um, and But there's a lot of people that are also going to say this season was a fluke. He was playing in Detroit. Uh, they knew for a while it was a lost cause. You know, he, he got a lot of minutes towards the end. They wasn't really winning basketball. So, yeah, I can see it both ways. I don't think a team is going to pay him 14, 15 million a year. I don't in this market, but I do think he'll get double digits. I do think he'll cash in on a three to four year deal. Um, and I wonder what the rest of his career looks like because he has all the tools. It's just about being able to play smart winning basketball. And if he does that, he'll be solid. Andre Drummond falls in the same line. See, I would rather pay Andre Drummond than Hassan Whiteside. And I think it'll fall in line with that. But either way, it doesn't matter. We don't have to worry about it too much because Andre Drummond has a 28 million player option. Um, I believe. Yeah. No, he's not going to. I don't think he can pull out of that. 28 million in this market. He's not going to get that anywhere else. And it's sad. It's not sad, but you just see guys like Drummond and Hassan who just no longer fit the way the NBA is going. Uh, who would have gotten cashed out had this been ten years ago? But it's not ten years ago. Uh, okay, Jakob Pertl's another one, uh, restricted free agent in San Antonio. Uh, it's not the sexiest center, but it, within his role, he's very, very good. Can protect the rim, can't shoot, but can protect the rim and can rebound well. And he has. Mm, somewhat he has some mobility a little bit <laughs> not really um but he's a, he's a good feel good passer good screen setter good blocker uh blocker of shots i i think spurs match whatever but um then you got Derek favors another guy i would love the warriors to get he's just i remember coming up out of georgia tech he was supposed to be this athletic freak and then he's somewhat faded toward i think it's been injuries too but like now he looks like he can barely move and barely jump, but he's a solid, solid center. I think he can be a starter on a cert, on certain teams. Like I would love him to start in, in Golden State um, if we don't draft someone at center. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll get 12 to 13 mil. Um, you have Kelly Olenek. You have Montrez Harrell. Uh, I wonder how much. I, I would not pay Harrell that much. Again, he's – a guy who can't shoot and is not a good defender. So it's just tough. He's a great effort player. He's a great rim roller. He's a good he's a he's a good offensive rebounder. He's not a great defensive rebounder. But you really saw his limitations and the situation was tough for him because he was essentially getting uh a late start compared to everyone else, right? He came in the bubble late, but um I mean, he was just so so bad. He he does one thing well, and he provides you a lot of energy, but I don't know if that's enough. I, and I don't – I'd be curious to see who gets more, him or Hassan. I'd assume him, six men of the year, but we'll see. Uh, okay, the rest of the guy filling it out, Nerland's Noel, JaVale McGee, Ennis Cantor, 
uh, oh, forgot actually about Serge Ibaka. I, I wonder, I wonder how much he can get because he's a thirty-eight point five percent shooter from three. Um, he was the worst. He had the worst on-off numbers by any of the any of the Raptors that played a thousand minutes, and it was by a pretty mar- wa- can't talk wide margin. Um, and he's also thirty-one. So we'll see. As a center, you're just unless you, centers are weird because if you're the most replaceable position, you can plug in a guy like Derek Favors at center, and it's not going to really, really hurt you if you have good lead guards or good small, four, good wings, right? So uh, teams are in general probably that's the last place they're looking to spend money is at the center position. It's almost like I said, I made the comparison before. It's almost like the running back position at the NFL. It is very, very, it's helpful to have a good center, right? Like sure. You would much rather have Christian McCaffrey than Mike Davis, but you know, I mean the, the Panthers won plenty of games with Mike Davis, right? And if the holes are open, any replacement level running back is going to be able to hit that hole and, and create good yards. So it's not a perfect analogy, but it's the same idea where like at the center position, you don't need to pay. I feel like a ton, unless you have someone like Joel uh, Embiid or Nikola Jokic, who they actually, you can run their offense through, but Many many teams now. That's that's not going to be the case. You're going to run it through your star guard or your star wing. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we're running up about about an hour. But uh, let's talk about a couple trades that I think, or, or a couple players that I think um, might be on the move once the moratorium ends up, and then we'll get out of here. All right, guys. So like I said earlier in the podcast, we are about a week and a half away from the moratorium being lifted, which means the NBA teams, after all this time, can finally make trades again. That being said, there's a couple guys that I feel like are are the most likely to move, and I think it's interesting to, to you know think about that. So we got one. We got Chris Paul. We've seen already Billy Donovan is out. They are most likely not going to re-sign Danilo Gallinari. They have multiple picks, a ton of a shit ton of picks, thanks to Sam Presti. And they know that okay, Shea is kind of our guy. And without Gallo, I, I mean, yes, I, I feel like Chris Paul's value is never going to be higher. He's now 36. He's coming off an, uh, a fabulous year. He, you know, he had an amazing, amazing year. This is where his values eyes capitalize on that. He's got a crazy tough contract to move, but right now at this point, he showed single-handedly he, as the best player on the team, he could be, be the four seed in the West. Um, obviously, on, on somewhat of a down year in the West, but um, that alone is valuable enough, right? You, like, the, there's got to be some team out there, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's the, <laughs> the Knicks for whatever reason, whether it's even like a team like the Suns, who who you put him next to Devin. Ah, that could be a risky game, but I, I feel like Chris Paul was able to make it work with Dennis Schroeder, Danilo Gallinari, and Shy. Probably can make it work with D Book too. Um, so I, I think it, it it's very interesting. I think the most likely scenario is either Milwaukee, Miami, or uh, maybe even Phoenix. But I mean, there's 
there's reasons why it wouldn't work for a, a couple different teams. Miami, I think, probably wants to keep the, the cap flexibility in order to um, make a run at Giannis. But I could see the Suns, after what they did last year in the bubble, going 8-0, saying, okay, let's ship Rubio, let's ship some picks. I think they probably got to make a trade someone else. I mean, even Ubre. If, if the Thunder come and say, give us Rubio and Ubre, which I don't know, I think the Thunder would want picks back. I think the Suns have to consider that because you now pair you pair Chris Paul with, with Book, that's definitely a playoff team. Get that city of Phoenix back into the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I think I think Chris Paul's destination is, is very, very – uh, is a very interesting situation to monitor. Then you have uh, the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. I think there's a lot, a lot of teams. I, I think it's interesting because last year they could have dealt Drew, decided not to, okay, let's go, and, and they didn't even make the playoffs. This year you would think they have the best shot to – the best shot they've had in a while to make the playoffs, right? You get Zion at year one to year two is a huge jump. You get Lonzo year – Three to four, that's generally should be a, a big jump. You see the jump Brandon Ingram just made. Like you have guy, all your young guys, Jackson Hayes, Frank Jackson, getting you your better, you would think, okay, now this is our shot to really probably not win a title, but make a decent run. Um, but I have at the same time, I, I understand the frame of mind of, of not wanting to lose Drew Holiday for nothing. So you, you start exploring, and there's a lot of teams out there that have packages that can make sense. I think the Miami Heat you probably rule out because they don't want to part with Tyler Hero, and I think that's the only way a deal gets done. Um, I think Denver has a shot, but I don't think they want to part with Bull Bull. I think I know they don't want to part with Michael Porter Jr. I think the only way that gets done is, is Gary Harris plus picks plus some sort of asset. Like, I don't think Gary Harris, Will Barton, and Picks gets it done for New Orleans because that's you're they are dealing Drew to get assets. They're not dealing Drew to get guys that can win now. Maybe one win now guy comes back in a package, but I don't think it makes sense for them really to deal him to Denver. Um, I do think Karis Levert would be interesting. I think that's a guy that could potentially work alongside Zoe Ingram and, and Zion. So I think the Nets would be smart to look into that because Kyrie has defensive limitations. You don't know where KD's at. A defensive stopper in that backcourt, I think, is really going to work wonders. So I think, uh, I think Brooklyn would be my choice if I had to pick now. But I think the Indiana Pacers are also a sleeper team um, because one, it sounds like they are shopping Victor Oladipo, who we will get into next. Logical replacement is Drew Holiday. And two, Drew Holiday would be able to join his two brothers in Indianapolis where Justin Justin Holiday and Aaron Holiday play there, although I believe Justin is a free agent. Um, there's obviously a chance that he's back in, in Indianapolis. And then Drew's wife, uh, Lauren, actually grew up in Indianapolis. So I think um, some sort of trade with Miles Turner being the centerpiece, even maybe straight up, um, Miles Turner – because uh, Pacers have a guy, a center named Goga Bitaze, who is still a ways away from you know being a starter, but a guy that they took just outside the lotto who um, has played professionally for a while in Europe and, and really does a lot of the things Miles Turner. He, he can't do him as well as Miles Turner yet, but a similar skill set and being able to space the, 
the floor and protect the rim. Um, and I think Miles would be a really, really good fit next to next to Zion uh, because we saw last year they were playing favors and uh, Jackson Hayes next to Zion. And um, Zion, even without a lot of room, still dominated. But now you get a center out and you pull that center that is guarding Miles Turner out of the paint. I mean, that's just going to be eat city for Zion. Um, okay, let's get to now Victor Oladipo. It sounds like I mean the 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 league's worst kept secret is is Victor the Heat. I don't know if the Heat are willing to. I don't know. I, I, Victor works out in Miami a lot. It seems like he is perfect for the Heat culture. But I really think the Heat are looking towards Giannis next year. So if Giannis signs a long term deal in Milwaukee, maybe then they. They move their attention towards towards Victor, but uh, the Pacers are a small market team, and and they don't want to have to pay Victor. I think the money that Victor wants, and and you're at a little bit of a crossroads because Victor before the injury was a, a very 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 good shooting guard, and then Victor after the injury, we've only seen one year, but he's just not who he was, and and it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he can get back to who he was. But he definitely was not that guy last year and was not close to that guy. So I think if you can find a deal where you get assets back, save the money from paying him, because um, now you've you've got to pay some bonus and 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 place that money elsewhere. That that seems to be what the most likely scenario is for a smaller market team like the Pacers. Um, but I, I don't know really even with a Miami deal, like who's Miami gonna give? Kendrick Nunn. I love KZ Akpala, but he he probably doesn't have the the type of value yet that the heat want um, or that the Pacers are, are willing to part with like the, the Pacers are not going to part with Victor Oladipo for Kendrick Nunn and Casey Akpaw. So we'll see. There's not a, a ton of suitors that come to mind, but we will see. And then I think the last thing I wanted to touch on is I just, I'm very, very interested. I almost wanted to do an episode just on this, but I, I don't know. I, that didn't seem, fair but the, the Warriors just have so many options right I, I think Giannis I right for now is uh, I'm putting out of my mind I think at this point in time he's probably going to run it back with Milwaukee seems like a loyal guy and and I think he's a guy that takes responsibility like is that team flawed yes should that team still get out of the second round regardless yes and so Giannis understands I can't dip out on this team after me not performing to standard in the playoffs like i i have to if i if i do my very very best and perform my very very best and we still fall short okay now we can look to maybe moving but i think for now we kind of got to give up on that and for me i i would love Giannis, but i would hate to lose clay like that's that's been my guy i kind of want to i want to ride out in the sunset with steph clay and dre and and i'm still a firm believer that they can make I mean, five years ago, they, they won the most games in NBA history with that as the core. And I understand they don't have Iguodal anymore. I understand they don't have Bogut. And I understand all those guys are significantly older and have gone through some injuries. But in my mind, like, I mean, they won the most games in NBA history with those three. They were 41-4. and four. Like, that's, that is ridiculous. We have not seen that. Even when they had KD, we didn't see that. So I want to run it back. The number two pick is a very valuable pick. You have the Timberwolves pick next year. You have, you have, I, I, I and I, 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 I'm not opposed at all to keeping Andrew Wiggins. This is a guy who's 
supremely talented, a guy who I think had a better year last year than most people think. Like he averaged 21 points and and yes, he was in a system in Minnesota where he was the first or second guy on the court in terms of being the op- first or second option at all times. Um, so the usage was is not going to be as high, but this is a guy whose job is going to be much simpler than it was in Minnesota. It's going to be play solid team defense. I understand that, and Dre's going to get him right there. And then on offense, shoot wide open threes and attack closeouts. There's the, the Steph Curry and Clay Thompson uh, additionally create so much space for the rest of the people that they play with. And Draymond Green is always going to find the open player. So that makes Andrew Wiggins and whoever he's playing with job much, much easier. I don't even know how I got to this because I was talking trades, but a trade that I would love, I love the idea of Miles Turner. I really, really do. And I'm higher on Miles Turner than I think most are. But Miles Turner is a phenomenal shot blocker. He's pretty mobile for a seven footer. I mean, seven footers are not mobile, but for a seven footer, Miles Turner is mobile. And he can shoot the three. So he adds spacing. He protects the rim. He's not an amazing post up player, but we're, I don't want to go and just post up my five when I have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like that doesn't really make the most sense. So uh, in this class, I, where I'm not in love with any prospects, they're sure they're 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 definitely talented players, but I'm not in love with anyone. Like there's no slam, there's no slam dunks right now. Like you you can go to mock draft and have see Lamelo first. You could see Lamelo six. You could see Edwards first. You could see him third. Like there's no consensus. I feel like this year, and so I if I can get a solid solid player like a Miles Turner, and who knows maybe the number two pick is so valuable that they may even add to Miles Turner. Um. I would love Miles Turner. I'd love a Laurie Markkinen. I'd I, I'd even be willing to take a shot at Blake if they add. Um, I I know he had a tough year last year and the knees are tough, but I I don't think Blake is done. He we're we're a year removed from Blake being an easy All Star in Detroit. So uh, maybe buy low on Blake there. I don't know financially if that works, but um, I I know the Warriors have been cooking up. I know they've been making phone calls left and right. They've been. They've been calling all day trying to figure out what the best option is. They've been talking to Steph. We will, I will do the draft episode, but I would say it's a 50-50 shot even if we pick. And if we do pick, I could see it being for someone who likes a certain player um, and then eventually trading them off. So um, those are the bigger names. I'm sure there's other names that are going to pop up. Um, but just get ready, guys. The madness is about to start. We're sitting here now November 10th, and in eight days – Next week, basically. Next week on Wednesday, the NBA draft will happen. And from there, madness. You know how it goes with the NBA. This is not the NFL. This is not the Major League Baseball. Like, madness will happen. You just have to wait for it. Stars get traded every year. Big trades. Draft picks. And and then the season's right around the corner. So dig in, NBA fans. We are about to um, have an amazing stretch. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Again, you guys can go ahead and rate and subscribe on whatever you're listening to. Big things coming. Check the YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Appreciate you all. Draft draft podcast next week. Love you all. Stay warm. Stay healthy. Have a good one. Peace.